0: Throw Fitzpatrick throwing high into the air. Parker touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow.
1: What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network, covering your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Saturday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose. of of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show we go out to Hard Rock Stadium for the Dolphins Saturday scrimmage the venue is as beautiful as ever as we got premier seating to watch this day of Dolphins football we'll play the hits from coach Flores and all the player media availability and report on all the action on the field all of that and more on this Saturday August the 29th edition of the drive time podcast
2: that's
1: And this podcast was set to take a very jovial tone when I began putting the show notes together early this morning, but sometimes life happens and things change. I'm sure you all saw the tweets. We all saw Fitz and Flo leave the huddle of the entire Dolphins operation together just before practice began, arms around one another. They disappeared into the tunnel and then Flo emerged shortly thereafter, but Fitzpatrick did not. The team gathered and all took a knee in prayer as this all happened literally minutes before scrimmage. The scrimmage began on Saturday morning. Ryan Fitzpatrick's mother, Lori, passed away this morning. And this November, it'll be five years. Five years since I was at work, also like Ryan Fitzpatrick was, and received a phone call that would change my life. My mother had passed away. And I drove down to my brother's office and we cried and we hugged. And we began the grieving process, which seemed to take weeks to properly digest. I don't know how sudden this was for Fitz, all of it going down. We know he had that personal day a week ago. I don't know what Lori was suffering from, what her ailment was, but nothing about it will make it any easier for Fitz and the Fitzpatrick family. I'm thinking of that guy right now, man, and and getting to know these players just a little bit, even for the last couple of months, you really start to see the personal side of the game more. And to me, that makes it, this is hard for me to get through. I, I do apologize. I didn't want to get into this too far, but it's, it hits home for me. So to be around these players, it makes it even more fulfilling and more rewarding to see the personal side of this and to get to know these guys and to see them as more than just football players. I just hosted a special event with our season ticket members a couple of weeks ago, and Fitz was the guest of honor. He was laughing, having a good time, joking about his chest hair poking out from his button-down shirt. We talked about his hair. I gave him credit for having not just an incredible beard, but an incredible flow on top, which he found to be quite funny. And Fitz, I am extremely doubtful that you would ever listen to this podcast, or any football podcast for that matter, because you live it every day. Why would you want to listen to a podcast about your job? But we're all thinking about you, man. It's it's tough, but tough people were made for tough times and as Isaiah Ford said at his player availability on Saturday afternoon, we'll play the audio from that here in just a moment, Lori raised a special dude in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay, and from that, we try our best here to transition to football. And reports came out just before practice started on Saturday that the Dolphins were sending linebacker Raquan McMillan to the Las Vegas Raiders, and Brian Flores later confirmed that in his post-practice press conference, say that five times fast, citing that there are things that go on behind the scenes that we just don't know about, not just the fans, but those in the media. And out of that quote now, you never expect a coach or a player or a GM to really kind of completely pull the curtain back, right? We keep things in house. You hear that all the time. That's just what you do, and rightfully so. But as far as that trade, I can just say this, and you guys have heard it on this podcast for two weeks now, Elandon Roberts and Kamu Grugia Hill have had excellent camps, so again, If there is a move made, there are things that go into it, as Brian Flores said. And that pretty much is all you need to know. These guys are going to make the best decisions for the Miami Dolphins, as they repeatedly say over and over again. And they felt this was in the best interest of the team to move on and get that draft pick for Raekwon McMillan. All right, to the scrimmage now. And I've been to Hard Rock Stadium twice each of the last two years, so four times total. And man, I don't know what it is, but this place just gets prettier Every single time I go back, especially arriving at 9 a.m., it wasn't too hot yet, the sun was hitting the building just right for a nice little glow, and then you get inside and my goodness, what a palace that place that Stephen Ross put together. It looks gorgeous in there, man. I think this was when it really hit me that football is almost here, just two weeks away, and that this job, that what I do for a living really isn't a job at all, just an absolute mecca of a building and a great product to watch on the field. So then a practice broke out. It wasn't live tackling, but it was a great opportunity for us to see about 60 or 70 plays or so, give or take, and get some evaluations on these guys in more of a live game-like situation. First, Kyle Van Noy and Patrick Laird, they were suited up in their full pads and worked out before the practice, but did not participate. They were down there for warmups, but did not play in the actual scrimmage. Xavier Howard did not suit up. He was working out in gym shorts and a t-shirt going through some of his individual work, but he did not play on the scrimmage portion of practice. And the same was true of Kirk Merritt and Devontae Parker not participating in Saturday's scrimmage. I'm not sure if Parker was out there or not. I didn't see him. I did see Kirk Merritt. I saw the rest of the guys getting some conditioning in. And for that matter, I saw Jordan Howard and Matt Breida and Patrick Laird after practice while we were doing our Zoom calls with Coach and the players getting a lot of conditioning in post-practice. So as for the practice itself, there were a few penalties, and I'm sure that's something Flores wants to clean up. He even said after the practice that it was good to get that feel of a game situation, to feel the importance of how penalties can extend drives and keep the defense on the field or back the offense up and take them out of field goal range. He noted that specifically, but I'm also sure he was very pleased with how well his defense performed because it was dominant on that side of the ball pretty much from the word go. We saw one touchdown and three field goals. Jason Sanders hit from 58, 48, and 41. He also had enough leg on a 61-yarder, but it went wide left after a false start pushed the field goal team back. This was after Tua took his team down into field goal range in a two-minute situation at the end of the first half. The teams were actually listed as Tua and Rosen on the scoreboard. Kind of cool to see that, but he took them down to field goal range. They get backed up for a 61-yarder, and that was Sanders' only miss of the day. He had the three long field goals and a PAT. Matt Hawk was also skying some gorgeous kicks boomers for days these two specialists Danny Crossman talked about them the other day on his press availability that they just felt good about those guys talked about maybe getting some people in camp to deal with leg fatigue but outside of that they are comfortable with both those guys he said this is a production business and both those guys have produced and we saw it on Saturday kicker talk baby that's how you know your boy is charged up for this podcast so both quarterbacks had seven possessions. Let's go ahead and just talk about some of the standout performers. I kind of charted the yardage and drive success, but not to an exact science. So I'm not going to tell you how many yards were gained and that type of thing. There were 13 possessions in total. Rosen and, and two of split the last possession. There was one touchdown, three field goals, one missed field goal, two interceptions. There was a fumble, but as you'll hear Josh Rosen say a little bit later on in the podcast, they decided to maintain possession for the offense as a way to kind of manufacture circumstances within that practice. It makes sense, right? You control the environment you're playing in, give the players the situations you want to see how they react to, because you can control the down and distance, the time on the clock, the situations, the entire environment. I only had two three and outs on the day, so it wasn't like it was a totally stagnant performance from the offense, but again, the defense got the better of the offense in total overall on the day. And first things first, it is pretty challenging to evaluate 11 players on one play with no replay and a sideline view, a sideline angle that really doesn't allow you to see how the trenches unfold or even the blocking scheme or plan there. But man, you add in the other side of the ball and call it 22 players, that's pretty tough as well. So here's what I saw without the benefit of a tape to, re- to rewatch to go back on and with a sideline angle of the entire action. Quarterbacks, I didn't put either of these two guys In my standout performers category, Tua Tungavailoa had an interception and his unit did not get into the end zone. As Coach said, there were some throws and decisions you like. I like the way that he's able to sense pressure coming from either edge, sometimes both edges, and works his way up into the pocket while keeping his eyes down the field to get through his progressions, to get through his reads. He made some plays that way on Saturday. We're going to hear from Eric Rowe here in just a little bit who had the interception on Tua trying to shoot one up the sideline to Mike Gasicki. And that play had really good pass protection, but it also had really good pass coverage as well. And that was something of a theme you're going to hear on this podcast, that the the secondary rather was in tight coverage all day back there, really playing well together, communicating, and getting those things locked up on the backside. And Rowe said that he was surprised the ball came to him because of how, well, how perfect his positioning was on that particular play. Tua had some chunk gains, he operated well in some hurry-up situations, and continues to get the ball out so smoothly in the quick game on slants, screens, hitches, curls, those sort of things. We're going to hear from Tua here in just one moment. We're also going to hear from quarterback Josh Rosen, who had some mistakes, as he'll tell you, but he also had some big-time throws on Saturday. I asked him to break down the touchdown throw to Ricardo Lewis, the only touchdown of the day for the Dolphins offense, which I thought was his best throw of the day, the best play of the day from the offense in general. But I'll let him do that later on. He also had a very long strike down the field to Malcolm Perry. And that was another play where coverage and pass pro were both good. So the play kind of gets extended out a little bit. And Perry was so far downfield when the ball left Josh's hand because we know Rosen has a hand cannon. And Perry did well to kind of decelerate, to almost fool the defensive back into decelerating himself. Then he sped up, ran under it, and caught it at the last moment. I think it was good for about 55 or 60 yards total, a deep strike from Rosen to Perry. At running back, it's tough to gauge without live tackling how these guys are doing, but Matt Breida... Looked as fast as anybody I've seen all camp long in this practice. He had some nice runs. He gets from that first level to the second level in a flash. And then from there, he can hit you home runs. And I think we'll see that at some point this year. For the Dolphins, Jordan Howard got dinged up a little bit early on when a tackle for loss where he slipped right in front of Shaq Lawson, who, by the way, another big day for Shaq Lawson, more on that soon. But Howard did return and had some more carries. It was the same story for Howard you've heard about all along. He's going to find those small creases and small lanes and get you into better situations on third and second down. He's always going to get positive yards, put his head down, burrow into that line, and create positive yards that way. I love his running style. I love his vision. I love his power. Very valuable piece of the offense there with Jordan Howard. I mentioned Malcolm Perry's long catch. That was the play of the day for the offense in terms of total yardage. He also caught one over the middle in practice, but fumbled when Nick Needham punched it out. We'll talk more about Needham here in just a moment as well. At receiver, Isaiah Ford uncovered pretty regularly Throughout the course of practice, he caught three or four balls and typically had really good separation on those catches. There was one comeback route up against Byron Jones. Again, we'll talk about Byron Jones in a moment as well where Ford did an awesome job of stacking Jones, getting on top of him, and got Jones to kind of commit the hips. You'll hear coaches talk about cornerbacks, or receivers rather, get them to commit their hips, show you which direction they want to flip the hips, then you can work their blind spot from there. He did very well to get Jones to commit the hips upfield, and then throttled that thing down, and came back down the stem for a nice 15 or so yard gain on a comeback route. That ball was from Tua, and a really good timing and chemistry look there on that play from Tua to Isaiah Ford. Ricardo Lewis had a big day, including the lone touchdown. His concentration was on point throughout practice, not just on the touchdown catch, but a couple of others where he caught the football in traffic. Was super impressed there with 89 catching balls in traffic. One guy we've become accustomed to watching catch passes either in traffic or with separation Is Preston Williams, and he had a couple of catches on this day, but nothing like we're used to seeing where he blows your mind with a one-handed catch or a deep shot downfield diving. He just had a couple of catches, routine stuff on the day, and produced a little bit that way at receiver. The tight ends didn't factor much into the passing game, if they even did at all. It was probably underneath stuff, throwing in the short flats to those guys. And we'll talk about the safeties here in just a moment because they were locking up those tight ends. Adam Shaheen had a catch, I know that, Mike Asicki caught one out to the flat, I think for a short gain. And Durham Smythe always has a block or two that springs a chunk gain in the ground game. He did that again on Saturday as well. On the offensive line, I saw Solomon Kimley get himself a pancake and then create push a few other times in this practice. Liked his game a lot. I liked what I saw out of Robert Hunt. Same story there. He's so good at kind of digging guys out of their spot and turning them and using that power and length and size to win that leverage and then using that leverage to create a running lane. For his running back, I thought Adam Pinky had a really good day, especially in pass protection. A couple of times I noted 78 out there on a one-on-one situation, including the deep pass to Perry, where he locked it down and created a good quarter, or a good pocket rather, for his quarterback. Again, really tough to evaluate from that angle with no replay, but I did note that Flowers, Karras, Davis, and Dieter all had key blocks on good gains in the running game. Now, on the other side, that's where the notes really fill up here on the defensive side. We start on the defensive line. And where to begin here, because Shaq Lawson finished off what honestly might have been a week Where I might give him like an MVP of the week of training camp, he was just great again on Saturday. I mentioned his tackle for loss. That was one of two that he had. He got back in there for a would-be sack and some additional pressures as a pass rusher as well. On one play, one of his TFLs, they tried to bring a tight end across the formation to block him and create that lane off the outside part of the formation. He stood that thing up, shed the block, and made a stop a dominant day for number 90 out there. Now, number 91 on the other side... The story's been the same all camp. Emmanuel Ogba has been a beast all training camp long. They met in the backfield, Ogba and Lawson, a couple of times with some nice pass rush rush tandems off either edge. On the inside, I noted that Zach Sealer with another huge day, he's getting plenty of mention on the podcast here, now, that pancake I mentioned from Kinley was on Zach Sealer, but that was the only rep I saw where he didn't really just get after it. He was constantly collapsing the interior and it's so difficult to move him against the run with that length and power. I'm a big fan of his game as I was at the end of last year as well. Devon Godshaw had a really good week of practice and it continued on Saturday. Just that tree stump on the inside against the run. We saw plenty of that from 56. I noted Raquan Davis with a bull rush surge that ruined one pass play. And Christian Wilkins with some nice work on the inside to clog things up and create space for guys to make plays behind him. And those guys are linebackers, Landon Roberts, Kamu Gruja Hill, Calvin Munson. We haven't talked a lot about Munson. But I find his game to be pretty intriguing between the B gaps. He flows downhill and hits guys, man. He wants to get out there and bang his head into a wall. He gets his face in the fan and really gets after it with the contact and the physicality of the game. He matches that level of Elandon Roberts that way with the physicality of the game. And speaking of Roberts, just consistently day in, day out, downhill, smart as all get out. And Ted Karras told me on the post game presser that Elandon Roberts is probably the hardest hitting football player he's ever gone up against. The other guy on this list here, Kamu Grugier-Hill. He starts off practice with a tackle for loss and just rolled to a good day from there. I mentioned the safeties on tight ends, but Grugier-Hill was also all over the field in coverage on tight ends covering guys in that hook zone over the middle of the field. He's a high energy guy and someone who I'm really excited to see get his first real shot in a defense. He was supposed to play a bunch last year for the Eagles. That's what reports said out of camp from Jim Schwartz, a bunch of the players there at practice. Then he had an injury pre-camp and came back mid-season and played a good chunk of snaps but he was supposed to play a lot more I think he has a chance to really shine here in this Dolphins defense finally on the back end I mentioned a somewhat quiet day for the otherwise explosive Preston Williams and a lot of that had to do with the fact that he drew number 24 Byron Jones over and over and over again and Jones was just not giving anything up man sticky coverage good job staying on top transitioning inside or outside off those breaks playing the football. Big, big day for 24, and one of those days that doesn't get enough credit because if you're not, like, if you just follow the football, you're not going to see him with 15 or 20 good reps where he doesn't get targeted because you're not watching a cornerback on receiver when the ball doesn't go that direction. If you're not going to get targeted, that probably means you're in pretty good coverage for the most part, at least on a high enough sample size. And that was the case with Byron Jones. So smooth in the way he punches and has that initial jam in man coverage and zone coverage. He just is a good looking football player out there. And he had a big day on Saturday. Another big day came from Breon Borders, who had a hell of a pick on Josh Rosen's first series, but he was flagged for defensive pass interference. So you don't get the credit for it, but it showed good Ball skills and ball awareness and he does get his hands on the football a heck of a lot Nick Needham also had a thievery on a Rosen pass but it was also negated on DPI I thought that one was much more clear of a penalty Needham kind of pulled the guy to the ground then made a play on the football but he didn't agree with it after he ran it back for six and a touchdown but he would get his takeaway later in the game or in the scrimmage, I should say, by punching a football out and forcing a fumble with a good strike to the ball on a completed pass over the middle. And on the first drive of Josh Rosen's, I found this to be super impressive work from Nick Needham here because he got... I think it was back-to-back times against Ricardo Lewis on comeback routes with Needham in coverage. They completed it underneath, picked up 10 or 12 yards, moved the chains, but they tried it again a third time and Needham made an adjustment to play a little bit more underneath of the receiver and challenge the route asking them, hey, go up top if you want to beat me because you're not going to beat me on the comeback again. They tried the comeback. He gets himself in there for a pass breakup. He also broke on another ball earlier that he almost picked off as well. So two PBUs and a forced fumble for Nick Needham on the day. Noah Igbenogany, kind of Byron Jones in the way that he wasn't targeted a whole lot, didn't get to see a whole lot out of him, but he continues to show you that athletic ability and strength and press, the things you like at the position. Noah had a good day in that regard. Ken Webster was on coverage on the deep ball for Malcolm Perry, but he also responded with back-to-back pass breakups after that play. So three consecutive plays going after him. You love to see a player respond like that. And then... Then there were the safeties and they had a day. Eric Rowe had the pick. I don't recall seeing a pass caught on him. If there was one, it was something in the flat where he closed down quickly and made a stop. He also got his face in there against the running game and really clogged up some run fits that way. Like he's talked about in the past on this podcast, Clayton Fedulam had an outstanding interception where he came all the way from center field to the sideline. Elevated, picked that thing off, high-pointed it, and then had a big run back afterwards as well. That range and ball skills to get over the top on that throw. Impressive work there from number 42. And then Brandon Jones, the broken record alert here. He's so instinctive, so quick with the trigger, and he closed his ground fast, man. He made a few plays in this scrimmage as well, and that has been the case all training camp long for number 29. And Bobby McCain had such has had such a steady training camp so far, in my opinion. He gets his hands on balls for pass breakups, but you just watch the way he interacts with his cornerbacks and the way he communicates the defense. To me, it seems like he's playing very comfortable and very fast in year two at the safety position. I'll ask him about that later on on this podcast. But to wrap up the notes here, the defense, again, they won the day. Thought the offense had some good moments, plenty to work on, plenty of tape to digest and make improvements going forward, get things corrected. And with that, let's go ahead and start off with Brian Flores, as well as a gaggle or perhaps a pod of Dolphins players who met with the media after the scrimmage. Let's go ahead and start here with Coach Flores. And I would encourage everybody to go and watch this on MiamiDolphins.com because there is some real emotion and a very somber mood from Brian Flores as he Informs us all about what happened to Fitzpatrick this morning. This is how we all learned on this conference call with Brian Flores. Here he is talking about why Fitz left the field and that situation.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Fitz, uh, Fitz, you know, we've talked about him having a personal situation. So his mom passed away this morning. Um, so, yeah, there's no quarterback controversy. There's no, um, you know, he's not opting out, he's not retiring know that there's a lot written the last time he, he, he had a little, some personal situations, but his mom passed away. Um, you know, Fitz has tried to uh, work through this. You know, he always wanted to practice. Um, he tried to go out there today. But, you know, and I've had multiple conversations with him, having dealt with this also. Uh, and it's a tough situation. And we, you know, our hearts go out to him as a team, as an organization. And uh, this is a competitive guy. He tried to go out there, and, uh, but some things are more important than football. Uh, so he, went, he left to be with his family. Uh, so, yeah, there's no quarterback controversy. There's no – he's not retiring. He's not opting out. You know, I know this – and, uh, you know, I just want to – you know, just so you guys know.
1: That's – man – tough to it's tough to watch man uh flores lost his mother a couple years ago i talked about my experience earlier on the podcast here today It's just yeah a lot of things are bigger than football and this is definitely one of them so yeah, i just i don't have any comment it just it breaks my heart to watch that to hear that and to, to feel for ryan fitzpatrick and the next question here for coach was again about ryan fitzpatrick and that moment they had walking off the field And if he believes, if coach believes that what he had to say to Ryan maybe helped him out in that moment,
2: you know, as a you know as a coach, as a friend, as a man, as a, uh, I mean, you know, they're all kind of intertwined in in, in this game. Uh, So, you know, obviously our our conversations are going to stay this, you know, uh, private. But I I went through this um, a year ago. My mom's about the same age. We're about the same age. So, uh, you know, we're both, uh, I'm a former athlete. He's an athlete, but we're both competitive guys and leaders. And, you know, you want to, you want to be strong, but you know, there, there are moments where, you know, you can't, you know, you're not able to be. And so I understand that. And that it's, it's, so I just try to support him, you know, and his team, you know, is supporting him and that's, that's, uh, you know, that was, you know, essentially that was my message to him.
1: Normally I go back through and I edit the audio so that it kind of doesn't have those lapses and those moments of kind of thinking there for the coach and for the players that do these audio availabilities for us. But I thought it was important to play that out in its entirety because you can see the kind of pain that Flores feels as he processes that for his friend and for his, you know, his player. And it's, it's cool to see that support these guys have for each other. Let's go ahead and move on to this next question here for Coach about the length of Fitzpatrick's potential absence as he grieves the unfortunate passing of his mother.
2: He's going to take as much time as he needs. Off it. And you know, I think as a, as a, you know, me as an organization, we're going to uh, give this, give him this time to grieve. My thought on this is he's going to try to get back as quickly as he can. Cause that's, that's the competitive nature in him. And, you know, like a lot of us, football is our sanctuary and it's our place to get away from the tough times, the, the pain, the anguish in our lives. Uh, so I, I I know he'll try, probably try to get back as soon as he can, but uh, we're going to give him as much time as he, he, he wants and he, or, or needs.
1: And credit to Josh Tolentino here of The Athletic for making the difficult, difficult transition from that topic. To ask Coach about the performance on the football field, I thought he handled that question very well. Here is Coach's response to Josh about how he felt the competitive atmosphere and what the scrimmage was like on the field on Saturday.
2: You know, I think there's a lot, uh, you know, without preseason games, that's our first, you know, real look. You know, in a stadium, sideline operation, headsets, officials. Uh, so there's a lot to clean up. You know, I would just say, just from a coaching standpoint. Um, so we got a little bit of that cleaned up. Uh, you know, from first half to second half, making adjustments on the sideline with the tablets. You know, that's something we have. You know, we haven't uh, been able to do so uh, to incorporate that. You know, going from series to series, that was that was good. You know, on the field, I think uh, you know, we had some penalties out there. And it's 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 good to to feel that um, defensively, offensively, uh, how they you know extend drives or kill drives in some instances. So uh, the importance of playing, trying to play penalty free, but also being aggressive and playing with good fundamentals, technique, and discipline. So I think overall, anytime you get uh, a live look, you know, or as close to the game as possible, it's good.
1: Up next, we hear from coach with regards to the decision to trade linebacker Raquan McMillan. Here is Coach On McMillan and the trade.
2: Well, obviously uh, Raekwon is somebody I have a lot of respect for. He's a talented player. I think people are going to say that. You know, people are going to say what they want to say. He's, a, he's he's somebody I respect a lot. He's a he's a good football player. I think he's going to have a, a long career. But you know, there's a lot of depth in, in that room. There's again, you know, like a lot of uh, decisions we make as a as an organization. There's there's a lot of things that go into it that you know you guys aren't gonna you're not going to know about. Um, we're not going to tell you so. But in, in every decision we make, it's, it's in the best interest of, of the Miami Dolphins. So I have a lot of respect for him. I wish him all the best. And he's a good kid.
1: And we finish up Coach Flores' Saturday post-scrimmage press conference here with a question about his evaluation of the two quarterbacks on the field in Tua Tungavailoa and Josh Rosen.
2: Yeah, I think it's hard to, to really – every game's a little bit different. So I think if you don't see a bunch of <clears> touchdowns scored, you feel like the quarterback's not playing well. That's not necessarily the case, not in my, my view as well. Although I'm um, not in my, uh, not my opinion, I should say. Uh, so I have to go back and look at the film. I saw some good throws. I saw some, uh, you know, good decisions to could have thrown it into some tighter windows. Didn't you know potential turnovers that guys didn't make the throw. I mean, I, but I, I gotta go watch the film to be honest with you. When you don't see a bunch of touchdowns scored or big passes, you, you start to think the quarterback's not playing well. That's just not the case. And uh, um, Honestly, I thought those guys, I thought there was good communication. I thought, you know, we were in and out of the huddle. Turnovers were down. So, you know, those are things that are important. Uh, give us a chance to, you know, to keep the game tight. So,
1: go ahead and press on here with receiver Isaiah Ford, his post game press conference. And uh, I'm going to try my best to keep my emotions, you know, in check the rest of this podcast. But, man, it's tough because here's Isaiah Ford talking about his close friend, Ryan Fitzpatrick.
3: You know, it's tough anytime somebody's dealing with a loss. Um, specifically a mother, you know, a mother and a son's bond is something like no other I couldn't imagine um, if it was me, um, you know, and um, I just want want him to know that whatever um, we can do um, as an extended family um, to, to support him and, and help him mourn his loss, um, that we'll be here for him, um, you know, and that just that I love him like a brother. So.
1: Next, Isaiah talks about his approach to the daily process and how he can get better every single day.
3: Uh, yes, each day I'm just, uh, you know, just kind of focus on the little things and the details and just trying to get a little bit better each day, you know, um, and whether that's uh, it's kind of not um, focusing on what I've done the day before or even two days or whatever that case may be, but just focusing on the current day and um, doing everything that I can to put one foot in front of the other.
1: We're going to go ahead and pivot over here quickly. Some of these interviews happen very fast. A couple of questions, two or so minutes long. Ted Karras spoke about the rookie offensive lineman and how much joy he finds in helping those guys Those guys grow and develop and watch those young, hungry players work every day at practice.
2: You know, I think he's, just, he's done a fantastic job. Um, all these rookies, uh, Solomon and Rob and Jonathan Hubbard, and the, the, these guys have really come to work every day, and it's been a pleasure to you know, help them out and, and see them grow. And, you know, as I'm trying to continue to grow myself, it's uh, it's fun to be around these younger guys that are really working hard. And I'm, I'm really looking
3: forward to going in a season with these guys.
1: Travis. Hey, Ted, wanted to ask you about a guy on the other side of the ball that kind of interacts with the center position a lot and Landon Roberts and the communication and physicality he brings. What's it like going up against him every day in practice and some of the challenges he provides you guys on the offensive line.
2: We, I've known E-Rob for, uh, this is our fifth season together, um, and uh, he's just about the hardest hitter I've ever played against, so that's the biggest challenge going with it, a very good player, and uh, someone I respect um, as a friend, as a man, uh, and, uh, and I'm really, really happy that we got to reunite and, and continue to uh, you know play football together.
1: When Ted said his uh, his word there, he kind of did the yeek face right there. Pretty funny presser. Go check that out on miamidolphins.com. Up next, let's go ahead and hear real quickly from Eric Rowe. And here is the Dolphins' safety talking about his interception he had working against Mike Gasicki off the hand of Tua Tonga Yeah,
3: it was just you know just straight up man. Uh, he ran. It was like an out and up. I obviously didn't think they were going to throw it to him because I was you know it's covered all on him, but. Once his eyes got big, I just turned my head and, and the quarterback threw it inside. gave me a chance and I made the play.
1: And now we'll hear from Eric talking about his teammate, his quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick.
3: Uh, it means a lot to us. I mean, not just as a teammate, but just, you know, as a guy in the locker room, uh, He's he brings consistent energy. I mean, he's funny. He's just a good guy to be around. And, you know, I mean, we all feel for him. Uh, you know, we all heard the, the news this morning. And, you know, if, if that was any one of us, we, you know, we feel the same way. I mean, you can't, it's hard to play when, you know, you got you know, your parents pass or your mom or dad. So, I mean, we all feel for him. You know, we all got our prayers going for him. And I uh, hope when he comes back, you know, he's going to come back to a family.
1: I love that last line there about coming back to a family. This Dolphins team is very, very tight, very, very close-knit bunch, and they definitely support each other, as we've heard throughout the course of these press conferences. Let's go ahead and spin it forward now to defensive tackle Devon Godshaw, who talked to the media after the scrimmage.
0: I'm very excited. You know, big thanks to come. You know, starting that practice, working hard, uh, getting the things we need to do. I mean, just excited. We got two guys on the edge, you know, the rest the past, you know, set the edge, stop the run, and, you know, guys up the middle, like me, Christopher, Erquan, and the other guys, you know, Zach, you know, I'm very excited.
1: That's Devon talking about how excited he is about the Dolphins' defensive line and the performances they've turned in so far in training camp and today's practice. And then there was a bit of a follow-up question about that about the defensive line for Devon.
0: Uh, they make it easier for me, you know. Um, when you got guys like that, you know, who can play the run and play the pass, you know, what I mean, it makes it very easy for the guys inside. And also, when you have guys inside that can push the pocket, you know, uh, beat one-on-ones, and you know, makes it makes it easier for them too. So I mean, like I said, it's going to be a you know a two-way time to, You know, working hand to hand with those guys, they're working hand to hand with us, you know. So it's, I'm very excited for it. You know, can't wait to the season.
1: And now flipping it over on the other side of the script, Devons asked to evaluate the play of the offensive line up against him in Solomon Kinley and the rest of that Dolphins offensive line.
0: First of all, you know I like him because he's an SEC guy, so you know I like him. Uh, he's a he's a big guy. He has uh, great feet for a big guy. You know he's very aggressive. You know so I like those tangibles about him. You know but he just got to keep working. You know keep being consistent. You know uh, keep listening to his coach, and I think the sky's the limit for him.
1: Let's go ahead and go back to the defensive backfield now and hear from Dolphins safety, Bobby McCain, who talked a little bit about the competition in that locker room, in that defensive backs room to get hands on footballs. Been kind of a theme of the week. We heard Gerald Alexander talk about it. Nick Needham, Byron Jones, guys have talked about the competition to get takeaways, to get picks, to get pass breakups, to scoop up incomplete passes and fumbles. Here's McCain on the emphasis on getting the football.
4: Uh, Just trying to just like you said, get our hands on the football, man. Get the ball to the offense. That's our job as as defenders. Um, Working, we work on turnovers each and every day at practice. So making sure we get a chance and opportunity every time, stripping the ball, go pick the ball at the highest point. Um, That's really what we want to focus our
1: game on, and just being ball hogs. And next, Bobby was asked to evaluate a couple of rookies on the Dolphins roster, Malcolm Perry and Brandon Jones, one on offense, one on defense, obviously. Here's Bobby's answer about what he sees in Malcolm Perry and in Brandon Jones. He's just
4: a football player. He makes plays. Um, You know, I said he's a tough kid. He's he's working on making tough catches. Um, As you saw today, he had a big catch today. And uh, Brandon Jones, you know, he's a guy that that, that he's he's going to be good for us. He's a guy with high energy. he got a motor. He runs around, makes plays on the football. And that's what we need in the back end is, um, you know, we all just, we're all coming together as a team and understanding that, um, you know, we, 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 have, we all have our roles to play. And, um, you know, those two guys are going to help us.
1: Up next, Bobby was asked about his leadership role on this football team. And the question was asked, you go up to Isaiah Ford and talk to him after a catch gets made. You talk to Ryan Fitzpatrick about the competition and practice. Here's Bobby McCain on his leadership role and how he communicates with his teammates.
4: Um, just, just being myself, man, just being myself, uh, anybody can be a leader. Uh, anybody can step up at any time. And, and you know what I'm saying? Make people aware of, of the things we need as a team. And uh, that's what I try to do. Like you said, be speaking with fish, just trying to see uh, what he's seeing on his side from me or anyone else on this, uh, on the defense. And, uh, you know, like we're all brothers, like help my brother up. But uh, after he catches the ball, that's not, you know, that's, that's nothing to hate, it's nothing to hate on. We, we, we got to compete and, um, you know, he's, we're all getting
2: better.
1: Hey, Bobby, I want to ask you about year number two now for you playing safety and, and deep off the football where you can kind of see everything kind of unfold in front of you. And I'm just curious, this is kind of the first game type of situation you had here in year number two. Did you notice any sense of growth for you having that whole year of playing safety under your belt and experience and applying it on the field? Um,
4: yeah, each and every day you try to get better at practice. And, um, you know, being in a game set a day is definitely, uh, definitely exciting. But uh, we got to watch the film and just make the corrections. And, um, you know, each and every day I'm trying to get better. And, uh, you know, this is my second year playing safety, so each and every year, man, I'm, I am mean, each and every day, each and every practice, I'm trying new things, and I want to see, like, um, that, that's what practice is for, try new things and see what you can be good at and, what, and what's not good for you.
1: And let's go ahead and finish this thing up with the quarterback, starting with Josh Rosen, who was first asked about Ryan Fitzpatrick and the team coming together and the support they have for their quarterback.
5: Um, it's a, it's a brutal situation, um, and uh, I just tried to support him like any way I could these last couple days, weeks, and months. Um, but, uh, I mean, Ryan's mom raised a hell of a kid, um, really strong, awesome, independent, kind dude. And I've been fortunate enough to sort of be around him these last couple uh, last couple months, almost a year now, probably. And, uh, yeah, it's a tough situation. But um kind of puts everything into perspective and reminds you that uh, like, we all are still human and human things happen.
1: I wanted to ask you about that touchdown pass you had to Ricardo Lewis and just kind of have you walk us through that. It looked, from our vantage point, like you had some tight coverage there. We're able to find that tight window. Can you tell us what you saw on that play?
5: Um, it, was, uh, it wasn't it was wide open. It was more of kind of an opportunity to ball. He was running a corner out in um, – uh, corner kind of fell off into it a little bit under thrown and Ricardo made a hell of a play. Um, so they were a little bit scrambling there. So I just kind of snapped it quick. I didn't get like a crystal clear view of the coverage, but um, I knew where I wanted to throw it and who I wanted to go to and Ricardo made a hell of a play.
1: So we get some breakdown there on the touchdown pass from Rosen to Ricardo Lewis. Here's Josh talking about the deep ball he had to Malcolm Perry um so
5: that's not really a part of our read um but the first two guys are i was going to kind of got trapped inside on some outbreaking routes um and uh like in my vision through them i kind of see the go uh behind it and kind of just noticed that malcolm might have stepped on it and um just thought i'd chuck it it's the only one safety in the field so um i didn't think he was gonna track it down but uh yeah, it really wasn't kind of a plan. It was more of a reaction because um, my first couple guys got stuck inside. Um, but, uh, yeah.
1: And we finish up here with Dolphins rookie quarterback Tua Tungabailoa as he was first asked to talk about the situation pre-practice with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tua's relationship with Fitzpatrick, and getting injected right into the lineup right before practice started because Fitz came off so quickly before the scrimmage started.
6: I, I'd say that was something pretty difficult. You know, I... I kind of, I kind of, you know, told Fitz that I'm here for him, you know, but it was something more so emotional for me too, because I kind of thought of my own mom and just the thought of not having a family member, you know, losing a family member, it's hard. Um, So, you know, being, being given that circumstance, being told that, you know, I had to be ready to go, go out with the first group today. I mean, it wasn't something that I was nervous to to do, um, but it, it was more so. I I kind of I kind of felt what what you know I, I would say kind of what Fitz was going through. I got emotional um, when Fitz ended up leaving too, um, and while we were about to pray as a team, uh, but that's that's not something that's easy. And so I reached out to him too, telling him that he was you know in my prayers. Um, he's been on my mind and my heart and if they need anything you know they they can reach out to me that I'm here
1: and here is Tua talking about his evaluation of his own performance on Saturday and how it felt to get back onto the football field for his first game-like situation his first simulated game so to speak since the injury last year at Alabama
6: yeah I think there was some good today there were also some not so good Um, but I think it was a it was a learning curve for, for me and a lot of the rookies, there's some things we need to clean up offensively on my end and, you know, just things in general with communication. Um, and then for me, not, not turning the ball over, um, in, in situations. So being better with situational awareness, you know, down in distance and then, you know, communication, you know, and, and that's why we got filmed too to be able to go over that. Um, so you know, after this interview, I'll probably go and look at, at the film and then get ready before our, our meeting tonight with what our coaches um, have to say.
1: Let's go ahead and finish this thing up with one quote here from Tua about being a lion or being a gazelle, a message that Tua has put out there into social media, onto his documentary, all these things. He was asked to kind of expand upon that. Here's Tua talking about his philosophy.
6: Yeah, I, I think I think that, that saying really relates to to life in in general Um, for, for me, um, you know, you got the lion and the gazelle, they both wake up in the morning and they both got to run. One is running to something. One is running away from something, you know, and and which one are you? Um, And so for, for me, you you take on the mindset of trying to wake up and become a lion every day. You know, you always want to go and chase, chase your goals for the day, you know, get better, do, do something good for the community. Um, and and I, I really think it it's just something that I can take in, in life in general, not just training camp. You know, I'm I'm chasing to be the best tour that I can be both on and off the field. And really that's that's it.
1: So there you go. Very, very meaty episode here of the Drive Time Podcast, a special Saturday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. We are off tomorrow. We'll be back on Monday with another training camp podcast here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. First, real quick, as the official wellness provider and sports medicine provider of the Miami Dolphins, Baptist Health is ready and committed to continue caring for you safely. This pandemic has reminded us that crisis doesn't build character, it reveals character. It's also taught us that our health is truly what matters most. We have the power to protect each other by wearing a mask. So who do you wear a mask for? Mask up South Florida. Keep caring. Live healthy. Stay strong. And learn more at baptisthealthnet slash coronavirus. All right, let's go ahead and get out of here. In the meantime, you all, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until Monday, fins up.